Hello everyone, my name is Paulina Valverde and professionally I am a psychologist and an art therapist but I am also a woman, a wife, a mother and just like you, I am a human being. And why is Elemental in Mental? is your podcast of neuron rewirement. It's a speck of sand to remove the, uh, the scorched uh, brain wires we have and in general, a space to listen to something different from your day-to-day -day life. A moment just to relax and that can add something to it. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, today's episode will be about self-parenting and to that we have to say welcome to our very special guest. His name is Kevin Hood and um, he is a business and lifestyle coach serving sensitive leaders and creators and entrepreneurs and after decades of wilderness immersion embodied practices and holistic health. Kevin Hood draws from his lived experience of growing up with ADHD, uh, overcoming asthma and chronic illness, adventures with intact indigenous rites of passage and explorations in entrepreneurship to create an immersive and healing learning environment for his clients. So very, very much welcome, Kevin Hood. This is your space and we hear you. Thank you for mm -hmm. being here. Thank you so much, Paulina, for that beautiful introduction. I am very grateful to be here on the Elemental Podcast today. Um, and I'm glad we get to have this conversation about self-parenting. Yes, yes, I think it's very important that people can know what self-parenting is and all its aspects. And I don't know, can you talk us about uh, a little bit about yourself or about uh, what, what, what has been your life experience uh, of that? Yeah, so in fourth grade, I was diagnosed with ADHD and in ninth grade, I decided to stop taking medication for ADHD because uh, I didn't like the way it made me feel, quite frankly. And um, I also had this feeling that I wouldn't understand fully uh, until much later, but that while all the people around me, the professionals, the, the teachers, the adults, seemed to think that there was something wrong with me. I didn't quite agree with that. Yeah. And so that took me on a wild ride uh, that has, ha I've been through many, many adventures uh, in my life in search of um, self-development and meaning and purpose in my life uh, coming from, from my own childhood and I've spent a lot of time in the wilderness. I've um, developed really powerful connections with um, wild plants as food and medicine. I've um, I've been involved in some some pretty amazing communities over the years, filled with. Um, other artists and leaders and activists that put the environment first and mm -hmm. these more simple ways of life first and, and community and yeah. uh, lifting each other up and, and even, you know, diving into some of, of what's left of the indigenous um, life ways and ceremonial practices and rites of passage. Yeah. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be until I started reconnecting with the fact that I, I in fact was diagnosed with ADHD when I was younger and started looking back into what all that meant 
and started reconnecting with um, my own my own upbringing in childhood. And it that really helped me understand um, a lot about the way I am and how to make some significant uh, progress in my own growth and healing. And so that's, that's when I came upon self-healing, when I started learning about how to grow and develop beyond um, ADHD, even though in many ways I had been doing that work already. So that's how that came to be for me. Okay. Okay, yeah. Kevin. Thank you for sharing your, your experience. I, I think that this is not an episode to talk about ADHD. However, I have strong uh, thoughts about it because uh, being a psychologist and have studied the, the diagnosis and the you know symptoms of that and other and any other illness or disorder whatever you want to call it i think strongly that words are like spells mm. and that not everyone has this knowledge and not even professionals and that means as high as it can go, like in a PhD degree, they don't. They might have experience, they might have uh, learned a lot of stuff, but the human aspects of life are not included in the educational system. And it's really, really, really hard to find someone that does include it in in their methodology or their model of education to all uh, degrees of studies like from kindergarten to phd the exactly the same cyclic thing we came to to acknowledge here so so when we learn that um words are like spells we can cast spells on anyone children, adults, people who are suffering, and ourselves, most of all. And we do not um, have so much guidance to work, work ourselves through that. No, you know, for like, um, for example, if, if you turn around to your friends and you say, you see someone talking about I don't feel like I'm good enough at this or are anything you know that that voices are there and perhaps they heard it from someone and maybe they were their parents or maybe they weren't they were their education uh, educational teachers or somewhere friends were but that words stuck on their brains like a tattoo. <laughs> so um, I believe that those who can acknowledge this have like a responsibility to share that kind of wisdom and to spread the, the voice and the knowledge for that, that other people can learn and apply to everything. And that for me, it's a little bit of the self-parenting that we are talking about here and and i actually was like restudying about the adhd situation today just to have in mind the words that that the diagnosis is called on for and most of it most of all it's like lack of attention and uh, hyperactivity. It's, it's in its name, but I think, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I feel that this diagnosis is most of all like 
for not for the system the system that we are in so it it clicks to me that just hearing your experience in it when you just say that you are uh, you uh, you are accustomed to be in the wilderness you uh are in touch with other kind of rituals and systems of lifestyle and other cultures that maybe are outside the system and you work perfectly well there. You know, that is what your experience is all about. And just when a psychologist or a psychiatrist does not realize this, I think that really, really, really hurts the children that is diagnosed with that and their parents and everybody else. Because when you say that kind of thing, you have some sort of responsibility, you are spreading the voice. And here in Mexico, there was a time, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years ago, where you can hear, when you could hear that oh my children has HDAD. Well, wait, children are not meant to just stay like this. They are children. They have to move. They want to explore. They are natural curious, and adults they are not. They are always like maybe working because they have to. It's okay. That's not a criticism. It's fine, but just don't expect that your kid is. Um, just wrong because it's not adapting to who you are. You are you are doing right now. You were also a kid. We were all kids at some point. So I think that we, as a human race, <laughs> that's why I say I have very strong feelings about it. Um, are lacking a lot of empathy, compassion, and other principal values that could serve a lot more to our evolution as a human race. And that is exactly the reason that I wanted to do this podcast in Spanish first and now in English, because I think that uh, not everybody is listening. And if I can be an, a medium for that, well, so be it. So thank you, thank you a lot for sharing your experience. And as you can see, I'm all wired up because it's it's really really important for me this this kind of subject so thank you yeah yeah thanks thanks for sharing your viewpoint on that i i really appreciate a lot of of what you have to say about that too and you know it is i like to say that uh adhd is actually a sign of civilization's discontent in many ways Yes. Um, and if you were gardening and you were growing plants and one of your plants wasn't doing so well and it was turning brown and, and not growing the way uh, you'd like it to, you wouldn't ask what was wrong with this plant. You would ask, what does this plant need in its nature to grow and be healthy? Exactly. And the very the very super simple um, distinction that I draw and make meaning from in my life is that ADHD is, um, it shows up in people who are wired differently. And those people aren't wired for ADHD, they're wired for sensitivity, and that the ADHD is actually a coping mechanism in response to how that child is treated when they're growing up because they're highly sensitive yeah and there's there's great places to learn more about that too and you know i have um uh, i actually have a training coming up that that dives into that more yes um but with that said you know the there's no there it's not part of the academic curriculum that um, psychologists or doctors have to face their own shadow. And I think a lot of that is, is where the disconnect stems from because many people in that position of authority don't have, um, don't have any experience 
um, healing themselves and healing their own trauma and doing their own self-parenting work. Yeah, that yeah. is the reason I, I wanted to, to be able to talk to you about this because it is an enormous, tremendous tool that I can see and I have also experienced in a little bit about in my life. Uh, my parents, you know, plus all parents think they, they know best. And sometimes that is just because their parents thought so too, and their parents' parents thought so too. So uh, it's, a, it's a cultural thing and it's a transgenerational thing. Um, that uh, even so, uh, intergenerational thing because uh, our peers may not be also aware of this. So it's just like I said before, it, it spreads and you don't have how to, you don't, you don't know that there is something else that normal it's not usually normal and we tend to create this natural way of being as if it was normal but it's really not it's normal it's not healthy normal is not natural and we have to also acknowledge this to to be able to to get it out and to walk through the most as every children every baby learns from modeling their parents model everything or their takers who whoever takes care of them uh, they learn everything from it the babies want to be like them this there they have this innocence that makes them absorb everything they see and they take it as good we are actually we are born kind and innocent and open and honest and everything we we already uh, have them with us but we are not uh, we do not have the uh, stimulus to keep them uh, expanding so when our parents chooses uh, aware or unaware of it that they have certain habits or routines or thoughts that hurt them and their children, we as children learn them. And, and for instance, uh, I, in another episode I was talking about that uh, when we are two years old, we learn the, the self-esteem and body image. Two years old, where you can think, it's just a baby. What does the baby know? No, they know. They really know. So when their mother or their parent uh, says, oh, I think I'm fat. I have this, this uh, you know, like, like, I'm really, really most told that everyone, I don't like this, I, I don't like my teeth, whatever you say about your self-image uh, or your body image, they listen and they start to integrate in it. So when they see their, themselves, they, oh, I, I'm thinking like um, my teeth are not wide enough. I'm, I'm not a little bit fat. I'm not tall enough or something. The exact, the exactly same way there they, listen it to from so according to this that is what self-parenting for me is we take all those thoughts or patterns that we learn from our the people that took care of us and uh, we change it for ourselves now in our adulthood so it's like uh, we are taking care of ourselves and we can actually also learn it for our, the way we raise our children. If we do the self-parenting, we are not just learning to give us that uh, love and that care that our parents couldn't 
gave us, but we are also creating the means to provide that to our children. What do you what do you say, Kevin? Yeah, I agree. I agree with with a lot of that. And one thing that one thing that stands out for me is that self-parenting is very much like you said, it's you know, words or spells and it's our opportunity to change what spells we're casting on ourselves. And um, oftentimes, especially, I mean, I don't have any children, but uh, you know, one thing I do get asked about a lot when I, when I am talking about this stuff is, you know, how do I, um, how do I make sure that I don't pass certain things on to my children? And so I always say, you know, you teach what you are, not what you know. And I think that this is where a lot of wires get crossed. Um, because many parents genuinely are very well-meaning and just trying to do their best and do um, unconditionally love their children. But they also exist within a society in which um, they were brought up with certain values or certain ways of being, right? Where um, maybe the best of what's within um, people who are, you know, people who are more are sensitive or artistically inclined, like there's less space for you in a society that's built on industrialization, you know? And so, um, yeah, that dialogue stays with us in, into adulthood. And self-parenting is that it's, it's having, is recognizing our triggers because as adult, all that stuff that we learned in childhood, when we, when we come up to things that remind us of painful things from childhood, we get triggered and that's when we get reactive and that's when we fight with our loved ones and our friends and people on the internet. And first and foremost, it's our opportunity to, when that happens, flip the dialogue, our internal dialogue that comes after that, right? Because yeah, maybe you get triggered and maybe you react and you say something you didn't mean. But what we quickly go to is, I can't believe I did that or, um, you know, harsh criticism towards the self or just externalizing the whole thing and saying, I'm not at fault. Um, it's our opportunity to ask ourselves with kindness and compassion and curiosity and say, hey, I wonder why I reacted that way without being harsh towards ourselves about it. And then also, um, being able to tolerate all the different parts of ourselves, right? The, the difficult emotions, um, it's, a, it's our opportunity to get comfortable with the fact that sometimes we're going to feel guilty or sometimes we're going to feel angry and to be able to tolerate those emotions and not be afraid of them and, and not hide behind this image that everything's okay all the time this kind of false positivity where we're actually um, afraid to be vulnerable. And then it's also, um, it's also an opportunity to take a look at where we are along our journey, right? How, how far we've come. And it's, it's so easy for us to feel frustrated that we're not further along or if we have some unhealthy habits that we're trying to change to set ourselves up for failure by you know aiming for this we have these unrealistic expectations of ourselves right so self-parenting is a, an opportunity for us to not judge ourselves where we find ourselves along that journey they have um chains on us 
and does not allow us to walk through it. So for me, what, let's just uh, resume what might self-parenting be. For me, self-parenting, it's taking care of yourself, but you said it perfectly because um, what would it happen if we realize that we can be parents of ourselves? Um, you know, when, when before I was a mother, before I became a mother, uh, a few years before that, I started to taking care of myself without even realizing what I was doing. <laughs> I started to take care of myself because uh, a thought came to me that the uh, reflection that said, why, why do we take or why do we aim to take care of our babies better that we take care of ourselves? You know, like, no, 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 the baby, the best, the best cream, body cream, the best water, the best, what, why? Don't, what, don't we deserve the same treatment from ourselves? You know, what, are we not, not worthy that we treat ourselves exactly the same way? So I think that, that uh, so parenting is also that, and I don't recall that if, if I finish with my, my own parents' history, uh, no, I just skip it, right? Yeah, so recalling that, that thought, I, it started that reflection because um, it has been, I don't know, maybe 10 years from my, what you can call spiritual awakening. <laughs> and um, that started because I wasn't in a place where like I was happy and where I wanted to be. I, I it didn't it didn't feel like I was being my like my best version or I don't know how to say it, but but exactly like that. And when I started to walk through this path, I realized a lot of things. Among those, they were that that I have a lot of dialogue, like you just said, that was not belong to me. It wasn't mine. It wasn't what I really think, either of myself or the world or whatever. So um, just to say a little bit about, about my history, when I was 15 years old, I realized that I wanted to be a psychologist. And my parents say no, <laughs> because psychologists are and end up crazy, being crazy, or without work. And that word, those words stood with me like a lot of years after that. So I immediately decided that, of course, I didn't want it to be any of those things, neither crazy nor without money. <laughs> so uh, I said no, and then I changed it. Um, and so I prepared for that. And when I, like two months before I started, uh, I changed it and I became a dentist. <laughs> and I was a dentist for 10 years in private practice. And then these, these years were the, was, were the ones that uh, was like my spiritual awakening. And when I realized that, or that said, I recall that my true calling was something else. And this happened because I was like with my full agenda and everything, and I was not happy. And even though I did a good work and I liked that, like the artistic part of that. <laughs> and I, I started to, to embrace better or feel more comfortable with the previous part before I uh, move my patient from the um, interview to the uh, chair. <laughs> so when we were talking about it, about everything, because they actually used to open to me 
I was just think, uh, sitting there and they started to talk about their personal intimate things. So um, that was like a trigger to me. And then uh, a few years, then later I realized that, hey, remember that, that you used to wanted to study? Well, it is still your dream. <laughs> and so it took a few months, I believe, to decide like to, to have it in my heart and everything aligned for me to say, that's it. And then I said it and my life changed completely. And now I feel so blessed and so happy and so thankful that I, that I can be here. But that was also for me self-parenting because thanks to that uh, real, realization of that inner dialogue that was not belong to me, that is not belong to me, uh, that took me a lot of work to acknowledge to, because they, they were a few days where, oh my God, why did you decide to become a dentist? Why did you, you know, the guilt and then the, all the stages of grief <laughs> and then the acceptance finally. And when you embrace that yourself, that be, as you said before, you have to embrace everything that is about you. And there, there is no, there is no world or reality where we can live there. Oh, we are happy all the time. No, we get angry. We, we feel we are feeling beings and we have to embrace every feeling that we are sensing. And, uh, and I think that that, that, is a, that is also for me, like a little bit <laughs> of, of self-parenting because it's like a sum of everything that, that it is like founded with our inner dialogue and that we learn from ourselves being babies and children from our, the people that took care of us. And I hope this, this is helpful for everyone. And I don't know if you wanted to add more or, or I have a question for you. Oh. Okay. The question is, how can we differentiate between self-parenting and self-care? Yeah, so I think the the greatest distinction that I can make between self-parenting and self-care is that self-care are or self-care is or the things that we do to um just kind of take care of ourselves on a daily basis, right? Like brushing your teeth or um, or even lighting candles and taking a nice hot bath at the end of the day or getting up from the computer and going on a walk. Yeah. Get some fresh air. There, there are practices that, that are showing ourselves um, hopefully, you know, the same care that we can, that we would give to other people, you know, to be easy on ourselves. And self-parenting is different because it requires a, it, re, in a big way, I would say that self-care tends to come from your own inner dialogue. Without the awareness of how you treat yourself, which is what I would say self-parenting is, yeah. you might skip those things. <laughs> yeah. You might skip uh, going on a walk and you might just sit there and treat yourself like a robot and keep working and, and plowing through. And so self-care is distinctly different because it's it's about our relationship with ourselves it's about how we speak to ourselves and it's about what we believe about ourselves whereas self-care is you know it's a it's a 
it's a tactic. It's a thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that I can add it that um, when we have that observation quality of that inner dialogue, that what is that we are aware that what's going on, and we are able to identify where it came from. Yeah, and I think that that's um, more often than not, that's the key to changing behavior. Yeah. When you, when you enact the process of becoming aware of how you're being, and then you can figure out where it came from and realize that it's, it's not you. When you can, when you can get a little bit of distance from whether or not this, this reaction is me or not, then you can change it. Then you have, give yourself permission to change it because otherwise we want to hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to say that it is also really hard and a really hard thing to do because it requires a lot of commitment. And as you've just said, the permission that we give ourselves to, because we, sometimes we, we realize it, we, we get there exactly that point, and we still decide that we don't want to change. And it's, it's okay if it's functional for you. Well, what can we say, you know, uh, to each his own. Everybody is free to do what, what he wants. But, uh, but it, it's, it's like, um, maybe it's not helpful. Maybe it's hurting you. Maybe, maybe you, can, uh, you can ask for help. You know, it's not, it's not always easy to do the work from, for ourselves. And when we get to that place and we still have that thought, because it's not a feeling, it's a thought that we cannot change. We are realizing it. We would love to change, but we could not change. That is what comes in handy that you ask for help. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I I would say it's nearly impossible to change if you don't have anyone else that's able to reflect some of that back to you. Um, it would be it would be difficult to recognize that our behavior is unhelpful to ourselves or another person without another person um, being affected by it. You know, someone else has to stand in, in relationship to that behavior, first of all. And then having a safe space where you can feel free to, to become vulnerable and share the things that you might otherwise be afraid to share in front of family members or friends or uh, colleagues because you're worried they might judge you. Yeah. And so that's where the help of professionals can come into the picture um, and, and create that safe container and just be a mirror and be able to reflect our behavior back to us and go, oh yeah, I am being that way. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Don't usually say That's interesting, but yeah, <laughs> I know mm -hmm. what to mean. Because, um, well, I would like to say that uh, because I was going to ask you, how can we do it? But I think that it will be helpful for our listeners that how can we, that, that they learn, how can we uh, recognize that we might need uh, do this work, that we might need to be self-parenting ourselves, you know? Because I think that one of the main things is, is the question that, are your relationships healthy? I think that's basic. Is the people around you happy with you? 
or alongside with you? You know, how, how are, you, are your behavior is it impacting your surroundings? What, what, do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I would say more often than not, if you find yourself in a situation where you're kind of unhappy with your relationships or your work or your behaviors, it's, uh, it's a good chance to take a look at what options are available to you. And maybe even, you know, as a, as a technique, you know, journaling can be really powerful. Oh yeah. You know, in, in the morning or at night before you go to bed, that's a, that's a really good way to be a mirror to yourself, right? At least then you write it out on a piece of paper and you can look at it and, and you'd be like, oh, actually things are really terrible. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't thought out help for this already. Yeah, you know, yeah. And more often than not, these, these dialogues can play in our head and, and we can say the same things over and over again, but never realize quite what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that journaling is, is huge uh, because it allows the, the brain to slow down, to stop meddling where it's not goal. <laughs> and, um, and you have to create a space for you to do that. So even though it requires a little bit of time that you may not have, you can create it. It's not that much. Even five, 10 minutes a day at night, at morning, when just like you said, I think it's very important that, uh, that we learn that we have tools to, to start figuring out what's going on with ourselves. And what else? What can we say? Oh, in, in addition to the question I did before, are your relationships healthy? I would like to add that, are your relationships healthy? Or even do you recognize that uh, dynamic relationship you are having that it's not like working? Do you recognize it in like someone else in your life? Like for instance, your parents did that or your grandparents did that or someone that took care of you used to do that you know, for for you to start uh, observing or being aware of where is this behavior or your inner dialogue coming from, that is like a little bit of the the first steps that you can do to that you can take to to being aware if you need to be self-parenting yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that's been super helpful for me in, in my life is just asking my parents about their lives, asking them about their relationship, asking them about how, what it was like when they were growing up, when they were kids, what they know about their parents. And I wasn't so great about that when I was younger. Okay. In fact, I was pretty, I don't, I don't know, I, I felt really uncomfortable actually around a lot of my family when I was younger. Um, but just getting to know my parents uh, a little bit more inti intimately as much as I can, like that has just opened up a lot of, a lot of room for me to be a better observer of myself, but also have more compassion for myself and have more compassion for them. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that um, that can be a really powerful tool as well. And even going back further, like one, one thing I, um, 
One thing that I think is really interesting is that my dad's dad was, um, he was dropped off at the orphanage at a young age by his father with a few of his other siblings. And I guess at some point he came back for the rest of them, but my grandpa, uh, he was, he grew up in an orphanage until he was 18. Oh, okay. And it's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That, um, you know, it kind of really changes your perspective on where you came from. Yes, know, and the, the coping. About. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just finishing up to say, to learn about, you know, where you came from. Yeah, and the, the, their coping mechanisms, because that is actually a traumatic experience. Even so, if, if they don't like, are aware of it, because most people are not aware that that may have been a traumatic memory because of the coping mechanisms that we biologically have. You know, we tend to have this uh, protective situation where we uh, erase things. We don't like erase it, erase it, but we just back it up and we tend to look the other way. So when we keep our developing, our developing, we are unaware that that was a traumatic experience. And when we realize just all the history around us from our family, we understand, but we have to see it with empathy and with compassion. And if you want to say love with love, because there, I don't think that we can, we can um, change for better uh, or to arrive where we want to go if we don't act from those places. You know, what is our motivation for changing and our, our basis and our foundations to allow ourselves to get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to, big part of the healing process is, is, um, having compassion and having love for all the people that came before us. Yes, yes, and, and for instance, in my case, in my specific case, uh, I have to place boundaries, you know, because it is my place to understand, to be compassionate and with love, but I, if they don't want, like uh, my parents did not want, wanted to, to change these kind of behaviors they were having. So it, it, it was like my self-parenting decision to start uh, putting some boundaries that I never had, you know? It's not like I hate you or something like that. It's just that I respect your decision not wanting to change. I have to also honor and respect my decision that I want to change. You know, we, we all have to heal somehow and I have to, I have to respect myself. So there is a boundary and, and yeah, yeah, that's it. I think that, that maybe not always our healing path is going to lead us to, to having a better relationship with the fountain of our own life you know in this example my parents but we can walk along it with the same respect with the same kindness and and yeah yeah we we have that understanding we have that empathy and compassion and and i think that we can grow you know uh, in our relationship even if there's only two, two people you cannot do the work 
for from the other person. You you can only do your self work. And and that's it. If that's your healing path, you have to be able to accept it. It's a really really hard thing to to do, but it's it's important that you respect it. That is the way your life is being. Even if even if it's not for always, things can change in a few years, you know, it's not like a forever decision. But, uh, but yeah, I think that is also uh, an important thing to say about self-parenting that you have to have boundaries. Mm. So Kevin, mm. I have another question. Can I? Okay. How can we uh, help others? You know, like, okay, now I realize that that I need self-parenting. I am doing my work of self-parenting. And how can we help others to do their self-work? Well, I've always been the, the kind of person that has felt that it's it's very powerful to lead by example. And I'll come back to that. I think I said this earlier that you, you teach what you are, not what you know. And so I think that just being doing your own work in a way um, is helpful to other people because it literally improves your relationships with everyone around you. But then also, um, something tends to happen. I found that, you know, when we, when we engage with our own healing process, when we start to uncover a lot of, um, a lot of the things that, that really just our, our identity was so wrapped up in for so long and tangled up. Once we start to undo those knots and, and heal and, and find some, some relief, inevitably we usually find ourselves wanting to help other people do the same. Um, and so, you know, that could be um, pursuing that work professionally, right? Um, and I do that in my coaching and, and you do that in your, in your work in psychology. And um, so I think that there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are on this path. And, and one of the things I can suggest is to just be creative, right? You don't, it's like, start where you are, you know, and if you want to help other people, just make something, create something that you think would help other people and see if it works. See if people show up, see if people want to have that conversation. Maybe it's a, a, a group where, I mean, it's hard now with the pandemic, but maybe there's a group of people that want to meet at your house and um, have a fire and just chat around a fire. Like, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yes, yes, just like allowing yourself to do what you feel for it, you know, to be in that tune. And people might tune into your symphony, you know? Uh, people might hear your message. And I think that it's important that if you have some similar experience about it or, or what actually when you have any kind of experience, when you have become aware, you want to share, as you say, and just sharing that experience, like talking about it, it's, it's helpful for, that, for others. You, you can be the example in your behavior, in your self-work too. But even if you don't like want to, to work in this, that we do, um, if you don't feel like it, you don't have to. But if you feel that you wanted to do something, another creative thing as you were suggesting, I think that talking about it or writing about it, you know, like in a blog or something, Mm -hmm. just uh, sharing your voice so that others may hear it and see like a little bit of the light of the candle that mm -hmm. it is possible for for us to change to be better 
to be happier. Mm -hmm. you know? What would you say that how can we, how could we help uh, our children exactly the exactly same way or, or something else? Yeah, and so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but this is a question that comes up for me often and I don't have any kids. Um, yes. My sister just had a, had a baby uh, a year ago. So I do have a little nephew running around, which is, which is a pretty special experience. But either way, the first thing I always go to is again, like doing your inner work. You teach what you are, not what you know. We can read all the best parenting books in the world, but how we are on the inside and, and whether we're um, attuned with our children, whether we're, we're well-regulated, whether we're fully present with them is um, gonna depend on whether or not we're doing that inner work because that's, I feel like the most important thing is to, to be present for our children and be accepting of them and um, be willing to help them understand their own emotions rather than, than trying to um, make them feel like they're being silly for having certain emotions or um, punishing them for, for certain behaviors that we think are, are unacceptable rather than trying to understand where they're coming from, right? And so from that self-understanding comes that the ability to do that for other people. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you hit the jackpot because uh, I think that um, when we can connect to others, just the exact same quantity, the, the quality of the way we connect with ourselves. And that's it. We cannot go further with others if we do not go further inside of us, you know? And of course that I also think like you just say that, that we, we have like a responsibility to do that. If we, if we have children to connect, they, they know what they want. They want your love, they want your attention, they want your security. And that it's like all the time. <laughs> and yes, it's hard work, but it's worth it. You know, it, you, you becoming a parent, I think for me at least, means that you become this guide. You do not own your children, but you do are the light of their way. And whatever you do, they will learn it, you know? Even if you have to leave them with someone else that is not you, they will learn it from them. And we will have to have like, in this exactly uh, case, we will have to be able to create like uh, like this space where they can learn to have some healthy coping mechanisms in spite of that. Because sometimes you have to do that. You have to leave them with someone else. There's no other way that you can like go to work or something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and if that happens, there is creative ways of like balancing the things for that your children have to, your children are able to learn these uh, healthy coping mechanisms that will be, I, I swear to you that they will be helpful their entire lives. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like from babies to adulthood. No, babies, children, adolescents, adults, old age. Every single bit of their lives will be founded in those first years so mm -hmm. i think that we have that like we have to become aware of it and and not taking it oh no more work it's so hard it is so hard but it's also 
like when you realize that they they are autonomous you know not independent because independent it's like uh don't care about in the entire human race but when you are autonomous you understand that you are valuable and that other people are valuable so these kind of things uh, are better learned in a safe space that you can provide them you know so as little time that you have just give them to them it's it's very important but fully fully you know like fully attention full love full security full everything and maybe it would seem so hard in the first years but later it won't they just like start to walk alone <laughs> and that's it and that's it because you are you become their guide not their owner not like their forever companion but you can be there, you know? It's not like a separation, but it's the respect of the individuality that we all have as humans. I think that, that this is very, very helpful for everyone to listen. And, and I don't know if you want to add something. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the, the perfect high note right there. <laughs> thank you yeah well so kevin you do this work what can mm -hmm. you say about your work in self-parenting how can we like contact you or what can we do if we are feeling you and we wanted to to ask for your help yeah the best way to um learn about what I'm up to is to just go to my website at www.kevinhood.me and uh, right there at the very top on the home page you can trade your email for a, a fun little body mind purpose alignment exercise that I've recorded just for you and you put your email in there and you'll get it right to your inbox. And then you will, um, you'll get updates about what I'm up to. And then you can poke around and find out more about me and find my social media accounts and do all that stuff if you like to. Okay, Kevin, thank yeah. you. And do you like do workshops or, or something that we can also Talk. Yeah, so occasionally I do, I'll, I'll probably be doing live workshops more often uh, in the coming months. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I was hosting several different live workshops, but not much since. I've been focusing on one-on-one um, -on -one work with clients and developing, well, right now I'm developing a training a free training that will be available. Um, if you sign up for my email list, you'll hear about it, but it's, it's helping people um, understand that link that I was talking about earlier about um, the link between sensitivity and ADHD. Oh, that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to go pretty, pretty in depth into that topic and that'll be available for free so um oh well thank that's you that's what i'm up to yeah no thank you thank you for sharing it here with us and i i don't know if you would like to talk some some uh, other time about it because i think that that we have a lot to say about adhd <laughs> yeah we could do a whole nother episode on that that's yeah right. yeah um, i'd love to do that sometime Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And this was, this was uh, a really beautiful conversation. I'm so glad to have had this time with you and um, be a guest here on the Elemental podcast today. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I, I feel very blessed. It's not often that I, that I have to someone to talk about this as deep and as connected as we just did. So I, I'm, I'm feeling very, very grateful, very 
reconnected very i know blessed to be here with you and have you as a guest i really hope that we can talk uh soon enough that about something else um, that you are interested of you have an open mic here to share whatever topic you want to you want to share this is your space and for our listeners uh, it has the time has come for you to take it all in uh, reflect upon it and of course take it into practice and if not what's the point <laughs> uh, I invite you to visit our social media accounts uh, they will be placed on the website and on the Instagram post and every social media that we have and uh, see you on the next episode of Elemental to remove the scorched brain wires you may have here on your neuron rewirement work. I am grateful for your essence and for your presence and see you later.